Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to. Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. No, it is not a Monday, but nevertheless, to start the week here on the Great Shot Podcast, we have another fantastic ATP Challenger recap from Cracked Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Barbaro. On today's show, they ponder the puzzling contrast in Benjamin Bonzi's performances in Challenger versus tour-level matches, the Frenchman having so much success on the ATP Challenger level over the past 52 weeks. Why hasn't that success translated to the ATP Tour? That is something they explore on today's show. They also offer their thoughts on the improvements of young Jason Sung, the former top or number two junior in the world, continuing to experience more success at the ATP Challenger Tour level. Of course, they talk about so much more as well in what is, as always, a fantastic episode of the Great Shot Podcast. Of course, If you missed anything from the past week in pro tennis, rest assured we have you covered on the mini break podcast feed. My buddy Gil Gross joined me to talk about last week's three ATP and one WTA tour level events. We talk about FAA's maiden title, another clay court title from Casper Rude, the improvements of Riley Opelka, what is allowing Annette Contevate to continue to have all this success and so much more. We've got you covered, folks. Don't worry. Yes, we're focused on a lot of college level action right now, but of course we are always keeping our eyes on the pros as well. Of course, if you missed anything, you can catch up on it all on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, since I've brought up the college level, I will take this moment to remind all of you that so many of these players you see now competing at the challenger level once upon a time were collegiate athletes. And you can see some of the future stars of the ATP Challenger Tour, some of the youngest and brightest players in tennis competing this weekend on uh, at the US, uh, USDA, ITA, excuse me, National Indoor Championships this weekend in Seattle. Of course, our Crack Rackets seem so fortunate to be able to broadcast all the action. We'll have coverage from first ball to last from Friday all the way through Monday's championship match. Of course, again, you're going to see a lot of these players competing this weekend on the Challenger Tour over the next few years. So if that's something you might be interested in, go to YouTube.com, search Cracked Rackets. You'll be able to follow our broadcast first ball to last. But enough with the plugs. You didn't come here for that. You came to hear about the latest and greatest news on the ATP Challenger Tour. So without further ado, let's get to it. Another episode from our Cracked Rackets contributors, Damian Kust and Jakob Barbara. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Uh, hey, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Podcast. We're going to talk to you today about Bangalore and Cherbourg. 
uh, you can always uh, Jakub to, to you know to, to, because he's right now passing through COVID, so we can all wish him to be recovered soon enough. Uh, yeah, and that's why we're gonna do some some sections differently to, to, today. But you're actually not gonna not even gonna notice. Where do you want to start then? Let's let's try to share Borg. Uh, Benjamin Bonzi wins the title. Yeah. I get my point of the year. We're on the board. Let's go. Only took us what six weeks. Jesus. Yeah. Finally, the the duck has been broken. Uh, although I was quite worried because he beat Konstantin. 6-4-2-6-6-4. He was one four down in that third set. Uh, he, yeah, I mean, I, I was quite worried, although it was only one break. Uh, but yeah, here he is, his seventh challenger title. Beat uh, Mats Rosenkrantz, Kenny De Shepard, uh, Jack Draper, and Zizou Bergs before the final. How did you like Ponzi this week? I mean, the, the first three matches, he was like a terminator. Honestly, he, I believe he only got to, it only got to deuce on his serve once in these first three matches against the Shepherd. And then, then Bergs finally broke him twice. And uh, the final was certainly his weakest performance of, of the run. Uh, I was, I, I didn't really think at the, about the points at that point, I guess. I, I just forgot about the whole situation. Uh, if you listen to the last episode, uh, I actually wanted to pick Bonzi too, but then at the last minute, I changed to Mahach, who lost to the opening round. <laughs> so, uh, well, I guess, I mean, it's still early in the year. I'm going to make up for that. Uh, I, I know that. Anyhow, I mean, Bonzi. Uh, I was very disappointed with him last, uh, you know, the week before in Montpellier, which was actually why, also why I changed to Mahaj. Uh, mm. I'm not sure what to think about the final, honestly. Uh, the, it, the, there weren't really any clear symptoms that he was physically tired. He also didn't really have any matches that he could be physically tired from. But that mm-hmm. sort of lull he had in the second set at the beginning of the third was certainly something that... Uh, I'm not used to watching Benjamin Bonzi. The serve didn't have that much pop on it. Uh, you know, the baseline game, he was he was very flat. I I'm, I'm not sure what happened there, but then Bastien, you know, knowing he was four one up, uh, he definitely got tight a bit uh, and led him back into the match. There is that uh, French mentality sort of trope that that people. <laughs> Uh, that people tend to throw around in, in uh, on tennis Twitter, for example. Um, I don't know if it, it has any merit to it, uh, but Lestian certainly uh, could have played these five final games better if it wasn't, you know, if the occasion didn't get to him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I sort of felt like uh, when Bonzi held for uh, two four, broke back for three four. I felt I felt like once he broke back. I wasn't really worried anymore. Uh, it, it felt like he was fully in control at that point. Uh, and unless, yeah, as you said, got tight, but also got outplayed ultimately, I think. Um, yeah, for, as, as for Lestien, it was a sixth challenger final. Uh, he gets pretty close to breaking back into the top 200, uh, num- num- number 204. Uh, I also want to talk about uh, Ednes Gulbis. Uh, who we saw have a lovely run this week uh, to the semifinals, his first semifinal in two years uh, since he won the title in Pau in February 2020. Uh, beat uh, Aded, then Gilles Simon, and Pierre-Urg Herbert. How did you like Gulbis? What a missed chance, and for a, for a number of reasons. First of all, if he actually played Lestien and Bonzi, then he would have played only Frenchman in the whole event. Yes, which would have been yeah. a hilarious way to get to to get a title in France as well. 
Um, mm. Other thing, uh, since Paul, I think he only had one quarterfinal in uh, Biela last year. So, I mean, but I went yeah. back to, to look at his 2020 records. And I mean, I totally forgot that his start to the 2020 season was that good. Because as you mm. said, I mean, I remembered the title he had in Paul, but then also the third round at the Australian Open from the qualifying draw. He beat Australia Seaman, but then I mean that that sounds that sounds crazy when you read it now. Even in the qualies, he beat Cressy, which is pretty funny. But then after the restart, pretty much since the pandemic, Gulbis has been so I mean, I don't even know what words to use in order not to be, uh, you know, too harsh or just straight up uh, disrespectful towards the guy. But most of the time, it wasn't even a pleasure watching him play tennis. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad. I think there's been like an uptick of motivation this year, which is, which is obviously very hard to actually you know, be certain of it's it's just a feeling it's a subjective feeling of when you watch a guy but it feels like to me that the matches i, I saw this year like Gulbis was really desperate to win them maybe in the case of the of the one against Lestian, too desperate because he was he also blew a huge lead right right seven six four one i think he led in the in the second set so uh but i mean it, it, it was great to see uh, this is uh, obviously a former top ten player, and and it's and it's even though it's not this level, I still never would have predicted the uh, Herbert win. I thought Herbert was playing very well up to this point, as you mentioned uh, last week. I think uh, you talked about uh, how good he was in Montpellier as well. Uh, so at this point, I would have never thought Gulbis was was going to be able to beat him. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was very impressed. Very pleasantly surprised um hopefully it's you know you 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 can never sort of predict what Gulbis is going to do his whole career he's he's been unpredictable uh but it would be nice to see more of these runs from him this year that's for sure uh we should probably also mention uh Luca Van Asch reaching the quarter the quarterfinals uh beating Huang and Lamasin uh another nice run for the 17 year old uh I'm quite excited for what when he starts playing full-time on the challenger tour uh, that's for sure. Uh, anything else from Sherbourg? Yeah, I mean, both Bergs and Draper looked absolutely excellent this week. Uh, they both ran into Bonzi. Bergs actually got quite close. Uh, but yeah. I mean, you can't really blame anyone for losing to Bonzi at this point, at least on the Challenger Tour. Uh, and But I was really mightily impressed with both. Draper has so much more of that control over his ground stroke ground now, which is what allowing, what's allowing him to, you know, he won a challenger last uh, last month uh, and has now got another deep run. And I guess these deep runs will, will just keep coming. Uh, Banks had a bit of like, I mean, when I, when I watched him, he was actually playing okay, but the, the results weren't coming. So it's also very, very reassuring to see that he was able to defeat Denis Novak, for example, whom he, whom he lost to uh, last month. Uh, then Bemelmans Pellegrino, maybe that's not the toughest run, but he played very well against Bonzi as well. Almost almost got him. Uh, yes, yeah. Should we go to Bangalore? Uh, yeah, sure. Bangalore, where Chung Sin Seng. Uh, won his second challenger title, beating, beating qualifier Borna Goyo, 6475. Uh, Tseng moves up to number 158, 32 spots up. Uh, he hasn't dropped a set uh, in, in, in this title run, very impressive, beating Jay Clark, Hugo Grenier, uh, Gabriel Decamp, uh, Enzo Cuaco, and then finally Goyo. 
how did you like the Dominique Herbati disciple here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he didn't lose a set. And even though the draw is um, weaker than in Cherbourg, that's for sure. It's probably mm-hmm. slightly weaker than what we usually get on the Challenger Tour. But I mean, this is still a very solid set of opponents. And these are opponents that he wasn't really beating <laughs> before, at least yeah. not before... Uh, let's say December last year when he started actually performing much better. Uh, so it's still very, uh, it's still great that he's able to do it. Also a different surface than Maya, which I guess was never really the concern given how good he was in juniors on all of them. Um, you know, his, his ability to play on different surfaces was, was sort of, I guess, a given, uh, but, but to win challengers, to actually do something at this level on, on multiple now, obviously grass is not really a surface on the Challenger Tour, uh, just two or three events a year, so so it's going to be hard for him. Uh, but anyhow, I mean, uh, I'm still skeptical. <laughs> I still don't think this is a guy who can go to the top ten or something like that. But I'm definitely way less, uh, way more optimistic about his chances of I don't know, let's becoming a a Benjamin Bonzi or, or something like that. And not, not Benjamin Bonzi in the sense that he's going to play like Benjamin Bonzi, but someone like that who's going to be, you know, on the verge of the of the tours, let's say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, well, watching him play is an interesting experience. Um, there's this sort of almost like, like Agnieszka Radwańska-like <laughs> quality to him sometimes, where he, he just looks so underpowered compared to, to, to almost all of his opponents. Uh, and he's sort of find these different different ways to win. It's it's kind, it's kind of fun to fun to watch. Um yeah, as as for Goyo, his first challenger final uh goes up to number 250. Uh he started his run against actually Yaroslav Bospichel in qualifying, dropping a set to him. Uh, then beating Mokun Sasikumar, Rio Noguchi, Alexander Bukic, Kimer Kopeans, and Alexander Muller before losing in the final here. Uh, how did you like Goyo? Yeah, lots of people, I guess, expected that after the Davis Cup finals. Uh, but his start to the year was just mediocre. Uh, if yeah. if you if if some of you don't remember at the Davis Cup finals, he scored three top 100 wins, I believe. Popirin, uh, Lajovic, Soneko. Yeah, yeah, and then played quite well against Rublev as well. Uh, so, so obviously, uh, we we talked about it even maybe, or I don't know, maybe I talked about it with someone else on some other podcast. Anyhow, uh, he well, there it was a team based competition. Obviously, he's a former college player, so that there were some let's say asterisks to it. Uh, that run is just you know, what he should be doing, honestly, with his potential. Although after that, uh, you know, dropping a set to Yaroslav Pospisil, I wouldn't have ever thought that this was actually going to be event, the event where Bornakoyo reaches his first challenger final. Uh, by the way, do you happen to know how many ITF titles Bornagoyo has? Oh, I actually don't know. Yeah, it's zero. He's actually going to be the highest-ranked player without a professional title at all. Uh, <laughs> before this week, this was Andrea Vavasori, uh, which makes a lot of sense because in his yeah. case, like he's he's not even playing ITFs. Although he also had a few finals, like four, I think. And Goyo had just two: uh, one in 2016, one in 2017, I believe. Pretty interesting. I mean, he just he just sort of skipped that level and has been yeah. on the Challenger Tour for years but never really getting these, you know, the, the, these finals. But one day he's going to do it. I, I think it would be it would be quite surprising if he finished his career without a title. 
uh, even at at challenger level, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we should also mention Gabriel De Camps, uh, also a qualifier reaching the uh, the quarterfinals here. Uh, he beat Tida uh, Travat in the first qualifying round, then Ferreira, then Ferreira Silva. Um, in the main draw, he beat Federico Gallo and Gianmarco Moroni before losing to Tseng. The uh, Camps is obviously some, somebody that I think you like quite a bit. Uh, I mean, you, you, you mentioned him last week, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, because I, I mean, I, uh, I saw him for like the second time this week. Not, not second in terms of a match, but second in terms of a tournament. Uh, it yeah. was just last year in Rio that we talked about him because he had a fantastic summer in the ATFs after graduating. And and it turns out that he can just, you know, he can just as well win matches on the Challenger Tour. Uh, th- these weren't maybe uh, some, you know, top tier players like Ferreira Silva, Gallo, Moroni, you know, they're all uh, not not really in a, in a great spot right now. Some of them struggle on hard courts. Well, maybe only Moroni. Uh, but I mean, these were still superb wins. I didn't understand why he was always priced as a huge underdog in these matches by the bookmakers. Yeah. Uh, against Sang, it made sense to me absolutely. Uh, but but against Moroni or, or maybe Ferreira Silva, okay. But against Moroni, especially given how Moroni barely plays on hard courts, so that was that was very weird to me. Uh, I guess often it's just simply very hard to you know set the sort of value on of uh, ITF wins, ITF tournaments that you that you play that you do well at. Uh, I mean, most of the ones that he played, at least that I remember, weren't streamed. So and for me, it was also very. Uh, it, it just wasn't easy to establish what his level would be at all. I was just sort of going on the opponents that he beat, like Litu, for example. So, or maybe he lost to Lito. I can't remember. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. I mean, no one really expect, knew what to expect of this guy. But now after two challenger uh, runs where he reached the semis in Rio de Janeiro, quarterfinals here. Again, not the toughest fields, but you know he's clearly good enough to make some impact at this level. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, anything else from, from Bangalore? I think we should also mention uh, the doubles title, which was won by... Uh, Ramkumar Ramanathan and Sakov Meneni. And why I'm mentioning this is because Ramkumar Ramanathan is 0-4 for the year in singles, but to 12-0 in doubles. <laughs> Which wow. is a, a nice contrast, yes. Uh, he actually won Adelaide and Pune, so two level events with Rohan Bopana, and then the challenger in Bangalore with Sakov Meneni. That's, that's we'll see insane. if it continues, but you know, in the meantime, he lost the uh, Australian Open and Adelaide qualies, and then Pune and Bangalore uh, first rounds. That's yeah. I mean, he he's not been like horrible, horrible in in singles. Uh, like like he he took a set of Travaglia, and I remember him being pretty good in yep. the match in uh, seven five in the third against Purcell, but. Yeah, I mean that's that that's quite something going winless in singles and only winning in doubles. Yeah, the Moroni loss is the only one that's sort of. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, I mean, you shouldn't yeah. really do that as as, yeah. as someone of of Ramanathan's uh, on hard course, obviously on clay. Moroni would be the clear favorite. Yeah, he he plays Matthias Borg uh, this week, and he's actually zero and two against him in in head to head. So maybe he'll continue the streak. Uh, <laughs> but both clay court matches, so 
Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, should we go to match of the week and upset of the week? Uh, sure. Yes, uh, who was your upset? Upset of the week. Uh, I'm not sure if I chose it. Oh, okay, I, I did choose it. Uh, and this could be so far Piriger, but uh, it's not the one that the bookies went for, because as I said, there were some crazy prices on uh, the, the matches that uh, Gabriel Decamps played. Uh, but the, the biggest one was, I think, Moroni oh, Mor- against Moroni or against uh, Ferreira Silva. I can't remember right now. No, I think it was against Ferreira Silva, but that was still in the qualities. But anyhow, I'm going for Gulpi Serber. I already talked about it. Uh, came as a total shock to me, mostly as I as I thought that Herbert was playing so well that he was probably going to be challenged only by Bonzi in the final. Uh, yeah, absolutely. of the week, I went for Kukushkin over Mahaj. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it, it, it was more just the the fact that he beat him three and two. Yeah, uh, I expect Mahaj to to sort of perform better. Uh, that's for sure. And I mean. Yeah, for 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 Makac to to take a loss like that, um, not ideal at all, uh, especially considering that he had such a good start to the year in Australia. It's not not a good way to to follow that up here. Absolutely, I just thought that after the Australian Open, you know, he would be able to capitalize on this yeah. on this fantastic start to the season. Uh, it's a setback. Uh, we're gonna see how much how how big a setback that is. And what's your match of the week? Uh, match of the week, I actually went for Gulbis over over Herbert. Your your upset of the week. Um, I, I I like Gulbis a, a lot. So to to see him play well and and win against Herbert, who as you said uh, was challenging for the title probably, uh, was very impressive. Who was yours? Mine is gonna be Moroni Decamps, uh, just because of how crazy the the finish to it was. Uh, I think it was three match points <laughs> that Decamps saved in the in one of the last games. Uh, just a really a roller coaster all around, and and the quality was was quite okay too. Uh, some some very enjoyable rallies in this one as well. All right, yes. Uh, so should we go to our previews for Forley number four and Bangalore number two? Yep. Where do we start? Uh, I think we can start with with Forley. Yeah, Forley is the. Uh, as much as the top seeds are at a similar ranking in both Bangalore and Forley, uh, the depth of the field is significantly different, and it also shows in the quality in the qualifying drop. So in Forley, we've got the, the top seed is Quentin Alice, which is a like a weird sight to me. I, I I don't think I've seen Quentin Alice as the top seed in a while. And here he plays Vitaly Sachko, and then later he could bump into Jack Draper or Mirza Basic. Uh, the, the other senior section is Gianmarco Moroni, who's playing Mikael Torpegard, not in Ohio, so likely not doing much here. Uh, and they can play Antoine Ong or a qualifier. Uh, the third seed in that draw is Gregoire Barrera. Uh, then he plays uh, Giulio Zepieri, and then they can go into Bemelmans or a qualifier. And the other seed in that section is Jesper de Jong, who's playing a qualifier. And there's a very interesting first-round matchup here between Marter and Serdar Rusic. And the other half is has a lot of Italians in it. Uh, Gustavo Elias plays Stefano Napolitano, a wildcard, obviously. He he got plenty of them at, at Italian Challengers last year. Uh, Matteo Arnaldi plays Constant Lestien, so the, the runner-up from Cherbourg. And then the other seed in that section is Nuno Borges. I don't know if you've seen Borges since the... Since he had to withdraw from the Australian Open, probably not, right? 
Yeah, he, he he hasn't played this year yet. Yeah, he hasn't played because he uh, he he only went to Australia for the Australian Open and then he had to withdraw okay. because of COVID. Yeah, he's playing Lorenzo Giustino, and there's also another Italian Portuguese matchup in this section, which is quite funny because there are four first round matchups and three of them are Italy versus Portugal, and it's João Dominguez versus uh, Andrea Pellegrino. And the last one, uh, the second seed, Salvatore Caruso plays Robin Hasse. Uh, they, one of them is going to face a qualifier because there's a matchup of qualifiers there. And Yasutaka Uchiyama, the sixth seed, is playing a qualifier. Uh, and then he, there, one of them is going to play Mateo Gigante or Bryden Schnur, the, one of the best names in tennis versus, <laughs> versus Bryden Schnur. And as I said, the qualifying draw is extremely stacked. There's guys like Stakov or Shompor Pirosh or Van Rijthoven who aren't really, you know, aren't usually playing qualies at that level. Yes. So, so Skatov is unfortunately out. He's already lost. Yeah, he lost to Hassan, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I am seriously considering, I, I don't think I'm going to go for it, but I did consider picking a qualifier uh, to, mm-hmm. to win here, uh, especially considering that there, there's three qualifying spots in that last quarter, and I don't think it's super strong. I have two options. I, I don't know if if I if I'm thinking of the right guy, honestly, because there's probably two like the two qualifiers that you could, you know. Yeah, consider. I mean, I, I, I I'm, I'm not gonna pick him, but I was thinking of picking Birosh, but okay. the fact that he played for Atec just to just to qualify mm-hmm. right after it, I don't really like that for him. Um, Mohamed Safat doesn't scare you. Yeah, I mean, they're playing right now. So, uh, Safa doesn't scare me. I was actually shocked to see him in the qualies. And then I saw that the entry ranking that he used to enter them was 217. But right now he's at 334. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah, that's a huge downfall. I didn't expect it because I never really looked at his points. But I think he won a challenger in the beginning of 2020. So it's probably these points coming off Bedigo, yeah, maybe. He, yeah, and he, he's also lost from from a setup in every match so far this week this year so how many of them <laughs> uh th- th- three of them he to, to bachinger Stricker, and lastien so I mean, uh yeah these- it wasn't bendigo it was Lossiston, but uh yeah the, yeah he lost the points for for winning Lossiston in 2020 yeah yeah i mean it's it, it's an interesting draw it's, it's tough to pick from uh i think um the the top section I don't like the fact that Halis and, and Draper will, would have to meet so so soon. Uh, so picking one of them is, is, I think, a little bit risky. Matarer could be interesting, but once again, said Osijin there. It's it's tough. Um, God, who am I picking here? I have no idea. I, I did not come with a plan. Uh, but I'm going to pick Nuno Borges. Why not? Uh, the the section, it's it, it, it does have Lestien in there. Uh, which isn't ideal, but I, I think that the first two rounds should be okay for, for Borges to get through and hopefully the rest of the draw as well. Yeah, I don't know how Nuno is going to do on these fast intercourts, honestly. Mm-hmm. That's what's like, keeping me from picking him. Uh, I kind of had Caruso in mind, but then again, as you mentioned, these three qualifiers in the bottom section, uh, I mean, yeah. if it's like Pirosh van Rijthoven, <laughs> I don't know who's the first third worst option. Uh, maybe fairness or Richard. That's that's terrible. Like honestly, that that's that's barely even uh, that's barely winnable. Frankly, if you if you get to play two of them, so as you said, Alice Draper don't want to pick out of that. 
I had like a crazy thought in mind of going for Barrer. Now let let me go with Caruso. I'm just gonna hope that the dangerous qualifiers land in the in the other section. I just don't think Hase is a threat at this point. Has he even like I can't remember anything about Robin Hase's year for now? Um, I think he had to play something. He played the Australian yeah, he, Open. He 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 beat Andre Martin in the oh, yes. <laughs> Qualifying uh, seven five in the third, but otherwise losses to Sederosic, Kukushkin, and Gaston this year. Yeah, and Gaston, that, that, I think that's Gaston's only win. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Caruso. I'm I don't feel confident in this pick, but let's see. Yeah, Hassel is the head-to-head for by by it's a match from 2013. Yeah, so anything post like 2018 is irrelevant probably. Uh, pre 2018, uh, in in the Hasse Caruso matchup. I mean, in any matchup, Robin Hasse has probably. He's yes. just been a uh, different player. Yeah. All right. Should we go to Bangalore? Uh, sure. Uh, so Bangalore, as I said, the the top seats are at a similar ranking, but the depth of the field is is completely different. Uh, mm-hmm. Still, still a lot of enjoyable matchups. Of course, the first seat, Alexander Fukic plays Prajnesh Gunasvaran. Could be interesting, especially at home. Then they can bump into Clark or a qualifier. And the other the other part of the section is like almost fully Australian. Is Jason Kubler plays Max Purcell and Evgeny Donskoy, the only non-Australian, plays Mark Polmans. Uh, there's also fourth seed Federico Gallo playing a qualifier, or then Sidar Dravat with a wildcard, obviously, uh, and or or a qualifier as well. Uh, there's a very interesting <laughs> matchup between Vitko Priva and Andrei Kuznetsov, and they can bump into Borna Goyo or a qualifier. So that's that's a strong part of the draw right there for sure. Chunsin Sang really could go on another run because he's playing a qualifier or Johan Nichols or Raul Brancaccio, which seems very winnable. The other part of the section is also not that tough. He's uh, there's third seed Enzo Quaco, whom whom Sang beat this week, obviously. And Quaco plays a qualifier and then will have to play an Indian wildcard, which is either Arjun Kadhe or Adil Kalyanpur. Basing on, on Kadhe's performances in, in recent weeks, it will probably be him, but we shall see. And then the, the last section, the last quarter, has Ugo Grenier as the second seed. He's playing Dimitar Kuzmanov in the first round, so a little bit of a blockbuster there, I guess. And then Elliot, they, they can play Elliot Bonchetri or Alexander Pilar. Another very strong section, by the way. And Ramkumar Ramanathan is the seventh seed. As, as we mentioned before, he's going to play Matthias Borg, uh, which could be his first win of the year, or maybe not. <laughs> and they can, uh, then, then he's going to play, if he wins, Kopeans or Diaz, even Diaz. Uh, I, I don't know if, if in the qualities there's anyone. Uh, Toshihide Matsui was playing, which is, which is kind of interesting. He's uh, 41. Uh, no, 41. Uh, Pospisil is 41. I was looking at Pospisil already and I skipped. Three, uh, 43. Uh, Toshihide Matsui is 43, but he retired after five games to, to Bogdan Bobrov. With the, the interesting factor is that he wasn't even an alternate. <laughs> the, you know, the, the last direct <laughs> acceptance was 1,311 Reddy Rishi. Or Rishi Reddy, probably, because they, they, they write it like that, right? Yeah, and Indian. So... So Matsui actually got into this tournament on his own ranking. And Jaroslav Pospisil, the coach of Vitko Priva, was even a seed in the qualifying show. Uh, yes. and, and it's actually one more, just one more thing that Kopriva and Pospisil are also playing doubles together in this event. So that's pretty yeah. interesting. 
Once again, we have the situation like last week where Yukim Babri is only playing doubles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't understand why. It's I, I don't really get it. I'd, I'd love to know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why they're not giving Mukunsasi Kumar these wild cards, uh, considering how how well he performed uh, in in Forli, reaching the final there. I feel like he would be much more competitive than any of the other wild cards that they've handed out. So Any of the other, for sure. I mean, I think Kalhead deserves it for the performances that he's put up these two past two mm-hmm. weeks. But Ravat and Kalyanpur, yeah. Mukunti is obviously uh, no, a little older than both of them, I think. Kalyanpur is certainly younger. How, how old is uh, Ravat? I, I'm, I don't even know. He, he, 28, so no. So he's actually yeah. not even... Okay, yeah, that makes no sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, maybe it's just like a more localized thing, uh, like, like being from from more of that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, politics. Uh, I mean, maybe Mukunt yeah, doesn't sure. like it. Like it's you know the that maybe the Indian Federation or whoever gives out the wild cards in in Bangalore that just doesn't like Mukunt. Yeah, certainly possible. Uh, yeah, the, the, it's an interesting draw. Um, Definitely looking forward to to Kubla Purcell. I, th- I feel like that'll be a very fun first round. Um, kind of, I I'm I'm going for a little something weird here. I'm going for Enzo Kwako. Um, I like his first rounds a lot. He does have Tseng, uh in the quarters, who who he played last week and lost. So I think that he he might conjure some revenge <laughs> match uh, and then go on to win the title there. So yeah, Kwako for me. Fair call. Uh, I'm basically thinking of whether I want to pick Chunhin Seng again, uh, whether it's too much or not. I mean, he never lost a set this week, so it's just 10, 10 in the legs. But Kwako is surely like, no, surely maybe not, but he's very likely to get into the quarterfinals. So is Tseng. Yeah. So that, that rematch really could happen. Uh, the question is, do I trust anyone else in the draw more than Seng? And I think my answer will be no. Vukic is, it's a tough section. I mean, they, all the Australians battling together. I don't know if I, because Vukic is certainly the pick that I think people would expect from me. <laughs> I, I did pick him plenty of times before. It's never happened. Uh, I think he got to a final once, uh, you know, during the week that I picked him. Uh, one of his losses to Kozlov last year. Uh and now I'm just now I just didn't know if I want to go for Tseng or Vukic. I guess with Tseng, there's always the chance that he's going to withdraw. I don't know, just break down physically, simply. Although he did play two weeks straight in Maya, right? In, in December and reached the final both times. Uh, yeah, let's try Vukic. Um, I, I'm not convinced because of the loss to Goyo last week. Uh, it wasn't... You know, anything losing to Borna Goya is nothing. As I said, I mean, at, at the Davis Cup finals, Goya beat three top 100 players. But I guess I just thought, uh, just as with the loss to Albot at the Eastern Open, I guess they're Vukic just scores wins right now. Uh, that make me think, okay, this guy is now at a, at a different level than before. And then he has this, you know, the, 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 some of these losses that simply don't really fit with where I where I actually wanted to put Vukic already. But yeah, let's go Vukic. Maybe I'm going to regret it when Chunhin Seng, uh, the disciple, as you said, of Dominic Rubate wins another title at the end of the week. But screw it. It's just a game. 
Uh, yes, yeah, I, mean, I, I was expecting you to, to go to Sainz. A little bit surprised for you to go Vukic, where I think he has a pretty tough section. But we'll, we'll see how, how it all pans out. Um, yeah, a, a, anything else? No, not really. I mean, I just have a little note to myself. Pick these winners beforehand. Don't, don't come into the recording and just look at the draw. And, and then you've got all these thoughts in your brain. And you actually don't make a sensible decision like going Benjamin Bonzi, the challenger king of 2021 and now 2022 as well. I mean, 2022, he's got a 100% win rate in, in challengers, uh, which is very impressive. Okay, yeah, we're going to finish here. Uh, we're going to let Jakub rest up. Uh, hopefully next week you're, you know, he's going to be feeling a, a bit better already. Uh, and next week, we're certainly going to be here to discuss Bangalore and Forli. I think after that, we've got another Forli event, right? And one more in Paul. Yeah, Paul. But that's uh, I already saw that these are going to be like much better draws, uh, especially not only not only in terms of the depth, but also in terms of the, the top seats. Anyhow, thank you for listening and see you next week. Bye. Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric episode from Cracked Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro. A huge thank you to them, as always, for their continued work for us here at Cracked Rackets. I say it every week. I mean it every time. You are not going to find two people further ensconced on the ATP Challenger beat, two people following the action more closely. So again, a huge thank you to them for their contributions to our team. Of course, again, set it at the top. But if you're looking for some of the future stars on the ATP Challenger Tour, perhaps you'll be able to find them competing this weekend at the ITA Division One Men's National Indoor Championships. We'll be broadcasting the event from first ball to last on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Our coverage begins Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 p.m. Eastern. Of course, we'll continue all through the four days of the event. Myself, Mark Bay, Super Producer Daniel Westoff. You don't want to miss out. Be sure to tune in to all of the action. Of course, we'll be previewing it later on this week on this show as well. We recapped last week's uh, ITA Women's National Indoor Championships on our episode of The Deciding Point. You can find that on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel or listen to it here in podcast form. Of course, for all of our content, just head on over to our website, CrackedRackets.com. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Danny Westoff, for excuse me, of an energy job, ed- editing job, energy job, and editing job he does day in, day out, providing the energy needed to edit all of the content we have here. Uh, of course, again, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Crack Rackets. If you want to message me directly, I am at A.L. Gruskin. With all of that said, for our fantastic hosts, Damien Kustin, Jakob Barbara, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I am your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say? Hey, great shot, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, price line. 